In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Ten and six. It's the playoff train. I'm here with Ian Wright. It's victory Sunday. How's it all going, Ian? It is fantastic. The final stage of my rebirthing of the season was completed today. Three wins in a row. So hail Freddie Kitchens. I don't know if you feel that so strong so far, but yeah, it is. We got a victory. The third quarter was tough. We're sitting at five and six with the possibility of still getting to the playoffs. The Colts and Raiders both lost, which made things a little bit easier. Titans are destroying the Jags. And and that's all right, because here's the thing. The Titans next week have to play Indianapolis. So one of those two teams is going to harpoon each other. So the AFC South right now is kind of a bottom drudge, but we just need Houston to kind of run away with that one. They're seven and four. You know, the Colts are six and five. And then if the Titans win this one, they'll be six and five. They then play each other the following week. And then they have a, they got to play the Raiders, the Texans twice and the Saints. So the Titans don't exactly have an easy road out. Um, but if the Browns do their job, they win the games they're supposed to win. I don't think we're going to have much of a trouble getting ahead of that AFC South team. We've still got two hard games, though. Uh, Ravens and I'm going to say Arizona. Oh, I think from an offensive standpoint, those are the two most high-powered uh, teams we're going to play. You know, it's tough to rule out the Steelers. I mean, I don't want to start talking like we have assumed wins against a team that we haven't beaten in the same season since, I think, like 1988. But anyway, let's just cut it right there and let's go straight back to the basics. We beat the Dolphins. And uh, how did you think the uh, game went? I was obviously up with the uh, North Cotswold Browns backers. And I have got an announcement to make. In the first ever British Cornhall Championships, London came away with the victory versus the Cotswold Browns backers. That's, that's amazing news. Um, I think that we should talk to Peter John Baptiste about getting a press release on that one because I don't know if there's newsworthy, more newsworthy information than that one. JPB basically told me to <laughs> fuck off. No, I'm joking. <laughs> he probably did it in the most elegant way. He's such a good dresser. Anything he says, you probably just take seriously. But anyway, let's, let's get real deep into the Dolphins. Obviously, the third quarter, I started having Brownsy headaches, Brownsy heart attacks, Brownsy worries. Oh, my God, how can we logically mess this up? But, yeah, we got there with the win. And uh, I actually did predict that we we're going to lose to the Dolphins in a Brownsy manner at the start of the season. And we didn't. And I'm really happy that we beat the Dolphins. Yeah, I- it was one of those ones where I think the offense maybe got a little bit, you know, out over their, uh, their britches. Ironically enough, I at no point was sitting there going, we're going to lose this game. I was more on the, the Jack Duffin, are they going to bring in the backdoor cover? Um, that's where I really wasn't sure what was going to go on. But yeah, at no point did I really worry we were going to lose the game. Um, I mean, if you remember right, they kind of got 
they got their first touchdown. They got the field goal at the end of the halftime, and then they got their first touchdown based on that interception. So then we missed the field goal, which gave them the other touchdown. So we were kind of giving them the ammo to score on us. But then after that missed field goal, the Browns went field goal, field goal, touchdown, end of the game. So at no point, you know, they just kind of said, all right, guys, enough screwing around. Put the pedal to the metal and just finished them off. So you, you can just tell the talent disparity. And I think Browns fans, you know, remember two, three years ago when that was us. We were that team that just was void of talent in so many different places. Yeah. Let's go with the offense. What am I going to give it out of a 10? You know, I think, honestly, the offense really falls into that perfect seven category, which is the, you know, never the have, seven. Never have the seven. seven. Six or nine. So, so I will, you, you score 41 points, I'll round up to an eight, but there was still some things that we left on the field. Obviously, Baker had the little timing issue with Odell that caused the interception. Um, Cybert was kicking into the Bermuda Triangle. So there was a couple things. Um, but and all, at the end of the day, you scored 41 points. You know, Baker had a QB rating of over 100. I believe he was like 118.1. Uh, three touchdowns, one interception. The offense gets an eight for me. Yeah, eight's a good number. I've got to say, though, we were lucky on a few decisions. Everything seemed to go our way, and I would have liked it not have been that case. I, I like to have saved our luck for the Steelers or the Ravens, to be fair. Well, I get what you're saying, and I agree. The one thing I just really like that the offense has is when the offense needs to get a first down, and they're like, you don't want to give them the ball right back. So after they had their little uh, scoring sequence, so to say, where they got the points on consecutive drives, if you remember right, the Browns kind of instantly went back, even on that field goal, to just kind of handing the ball off to Nick Chubb. You know, they were just taking chunks, and then that sets up them to hit the play action or the short, quick slants, which Miami was giving us all day. But the Browns have that fallback option of the running game. And when you can pound Nick Chubb at somebody for three plays and then pound Kareem Hunt at them for three plays, the Browns offense just kind of has an old reliable. It has that identity that we were searching for at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and it is great to have Hunt. It's just another dimension. And, yeah, just uh, without Njuku, having Hunt is just great. You know, um, it seems to be one of his favorite routes, as you say, in America, not roots. But, it, like, out wide to, to Hunt, catches it, boom, happy days. And, uh, yeah, I felt um, really good on the offense. I'm going to give it an eight as well. Uh, I, Landry obviously stepped up, two touchdowns. OBJ with a touchdown. You know, people were saying, oh, they've only got one or two between them. Now they've got four. Three in one game. Yes, three in one game. And that throw to Odell, the catch, the throw, was something special. Yeah, I mean, Baker saw it. You saw Odell. So Miami was running this cover three scheme, which is why the Browns had those slants open all day. But from what I gathered from, I heard from people in the stadium that when Odell hit the, uh, the deep post coming across the center, the entire stadium just started screaming, Odell, Odell, Odell. It was like pointing at how wide open he was. And Baker just threw a beautiful ball right there in the back, uh, back of the end zone for the touchdown. And it was, it was good to see. And the other thing I will say, I like, you know, both Jarvis and Odell, you know, they got in the end zone, they did their little dance. It wasn't some, Big, wildly production. It kept it simple. They knew it was the Dolphins. So I thought that that showed a little bit from those guys just showing this is what we expect to do on a week-to-week basis. I did notice one route where Odell and Landry went both to like one corner. And I think 
Becker, uh, Baker could have just thrown up in the air and just hoped that one of them would catch it, basically. Yeah, and on that second touchdown to Landry, that's kind of what he did. He saw, similar to what he did with uh, Steven Carlson last week, he's like, you know what? I got guys that can make plays. I'm just going to go ahead and make sure that my guys have a chance to get this. He threw it up there. Landry, with those big hands and that giant catch radius, just goes up, plucks the ball out of the air, touchdown Browns. And what do you think about the tight end play today? You know, I actually thought for what we were looking for, because it's, it's tough. With Miami, you don't know how well of a kind of a grade to give yourself because Browns fans are obviously the toughest, you know, judges of themselves. But Demetrius Harris was targeted two times, caught two balls. Steven Carlson was targeted one time and caught the pass he needed. Uh, the only target that wasn't converted was that uh, end zone throw to Ricky Seals-Jones, which Baker just threw a little bit high. Um, so I thought for what we were looking to get out of the tight ends today, because I think they made it a point to feature Jarvis. Um, I thought it was, it was pretty good. So I think Njoku coming back may see the end of the, the Princeton man, Steven Carlson's targets, but otherwise I think that gives him a great red zone target. Cause we did have a little bit of issues in the red zone today. Um, but overall I would say that I would give the, the tight end play a plus because the expectations were pretty low, and we got some guys that are making plays. And I know Demetrius Harris, I'm, I'm hoping he's okay after taking that big hit uh, to the head down there in the second half. But being 28-3 at halftime is a great feeling. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was nice because you saw the rhythm. I mean, the Browns' offense in the first half was one to be reckoned with. I mean, I think they had, what, one punt in the first half? So outside of that – the Browns opened the game with a touchdown, came back with a punt, then touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. So four touchdowns on your five drives in the uh, first half. I can't say that's a terrible thing for the day. Let's move on to the defense. What number are you going to give it with? You know, the defense, I think, is more on the sixth side. Um, now, if we're singling out certain players, certain players obviously graded a lot higher than that. But I thought overall the defense was kind of average today. Uh, so I'm going to give them a six. Hmm. There was yeah. no pass rush. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know we're down to the kind of the, the bottom of the barrel guys. And, you know, I thought Chad Thomas actually had a very good game. I know he had two tackles for losses. Uh, Joe Schobert, obviously, on the second level played well. But Sheldon Richardson lining up at DN to make sure we contain the run. Um, they made a couple plays. But on some of the plays, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick had all day better. So you can definitely tell that they miss Miles Garrett. Yeah, 100%. Um, if it was a, a charity score, like saying that we had a, a real weak uh, team, yeah, I, I would have thought higher than a, than a six. But yeah, I think, I think six, is, uh, six is fair. Brian Cox made uh, three tackles. Mm -hmm. Quite surprised. Yeah, he got in there, made a nice little play on the – there was the one end around that he kind of, you know, contained on the backside. Um, you know, said the one tackle for loss. I think he's a development guy. Um, you know, I don't think that he's active on game days if we have all of our other starters up. You know, I know Brandon Bryant was in there, and he got, he got his hands on a guy. I think Porter Gustin had his first career sack. So you saw a little bit of contributions. But at the end of the day, when the Browns needed pressure, I just felt like we didn't really do a very good job of getting it. Um, you know, and in saying that, we ended the day with four sacks. So what do I know? One of the things I noticed was uh, red wine, two tackles and one assist. When did he make them plays? Do you remember? So when the Browns were up a little bit, I think what happened was this Wilkes wanted to see 
um, those guys get some reps. So he brought Redwine in to play strong safety in the, or I think it was, I think he was playing kind of that big nickel safety um, in the second half. He came up and made a couple of tackles in the run game. I saw him uh, flashing a little bit in the second half, but I think the game was pretty much out of hand at that point. I think they wanted to just get those defensive guys some reps, um, you know, to avoid any injuries and, you know, just get the guys used to it. Cause you never know. I mean, we're so thin at safety right now. Um, you never know when you need these guys. I mean, look what happened last game. Yeah, bit of a shame with uh, Justin Burris. He fell over and they got a touchdown. Yeah, he, he, he had a rough day. He dropped the interception that I thought he was going to make. And then he also had to struggle with the uh, – I mean, there's 30 seconds left in the game. I think he was just kind of not really playing fully. He was kind of trotting around back there and kind of collided, fell over. And yeah. I was more mad because I have the Browns defense and I lost an extra point because of the points given up. It's all about fantasy, eh? Yeah, absolutely. But I will say, if we're talking about the defense, there was some guys that really stood out. And I mean, obviously, uh, Joe Schobert is doing a fantastic job. You know, I will make my personal apology to Megan. Your husband has been feeding me what I call Joe Show Crow uh, for the past couple weeks. I mean, he is he is playing out of his mind. He seems to be in the right place at the right time. He's making. You know, he's playing fantastic in pass coverage. I mean, I think he had several pass breakups even today. Um, four passes defense for Joe Schobert from a linebacker position. That's fantastic. So they really wanted to drop him. They didn't rush him much, but a fantastic game from Mr. Schobert. Yeah. He's done everything to get a contract. And uh, if he doesn't get a contract, he's just not going to fit the scheme. I don't think it's, it really comes down to a, whether or not he deserves a contract. I think obviously he does. The question becomes, where are you going to pay him in terms of, the linebackers in the league. You know, you're not going to give him CJ Mosley money, but he deserves above average pay. You just don't want to break the bank for him because, you know, you, you are going to have a lot of guys you need to extend here shortly. Mm. All right, let's move special teams. What are you going to give it a number? Well, we did miss a field goal. Um, so you, gotta, you said in the text, though, it, was, it looked really windy. So, you know, one of the things I like to do when I'm watching the kickers, I watch their form. And I thought that Seibert had really good form and the ball was dead nuts down the center. And then all of a sudden it just said, see you later. I'm heading off to the right. So my guess is they got a little bit of a crosswind there. The, all the kickers, I mean, I think I saw statistically the fewest percentage of made field goals relative to the attempts are at that end of the stadium in the Browns out of all the stadiums. So there's something going on with their crosswind there um, because his form looked good. It was right down the pipe. And then all of a sudden it just said, Nope, thank you. 46 yards later, it's going to be right of the net. So it looked good. Um, I mean, I think Scottish hammer had the easiest day of his young professional career. If I'm not mistaken, I think he only had one punt um, and it wasn't even a really good one. So I will give the special teams a six. And I will do that based on the fact that Gillen's punk was only 37 yards. We missed a field goal. And Tavier Thomas decided he was going to return one out of the end zone and got tackled to the 15-yard line. Take the knee. Yeah, just looking at the kick returns, Stephen Carson took a uh, kick return as well. But I guess that's just a... Uh... At, the end, at the end of the game, that little pooch that he caught yeah. ran out of bounds. Then you got the punt returns, uh, Hilliard and Johnson... Fair catch steady. There wasn't much going on in the punt returns. It was really kind of a special teams blah. If anything, the Browns' main points on special teams comes from how well they did. I mean, I know the Dolphins tried one of the worst fake punts I've ever seen, so they were ready for that. 
Um, I thought they did a really good job containing uh, Jakeem Grant until he got hurt. Marcus Sheralds, who Mike Prefer knows pretty well from his days in Minnesota, you know, he, I think, averaged about 19 yards on a kick return, so not too much out of there. I would say from our standpoint, our points on special teams mainly came from our ability to contain them and not let them get any momentum from special teams. Mm. And uh, Freddie Kitchen, what number, what we're going to give Freddie Kitchens? Actually, I thought Freddie had a good game. Um, you know, obviously when you're up that big, it's very easy to coach, which I think sometimes people forget. It's like, you know, we look at coaches and try to mic, you know, put them through the microscope of everything. But, you know, he didn't have any bonehead uh, decisions. I thought there one little Kareem Hunt inside handoff reverse to uh, Jarvis Landry was interesting. Um, ironically enough, I went back and watched that one. If he th- throws the ball correctly to Landry, that entire side of the field was wide open. So I know you could see Freddie laughing and Baker laughing, but we had two balls hit the turf that I, I don't really want to see that, um, you know, against a good team that could come back to hurt you. But overall, I thought, you know, fr- you can definitely tell Freddie's getting his legs about him. You know, I thought he did a really good job bringing the team back after the tough week that they had. Um, so Good job out of you, Freddie. I think, I think he's growing. I think people are a little too quick to kind of just bury him in the, in the backyard. So Freddie's bouncing back, baby. And whereabouts were you watching the game? From the comfort of my couch. It's fantastic. I set up my multiple TVs. I've got my fantasy tracker going. I've got my games going. You know, I've got unlimited access to the bathroom, to water, to beer, to pop, whatever I need. It's fantastic. And what's the fiance in town this weekend? She is back. Um, needless to say, she wasn't all that pleased with me after last week's game. Um, she, has, she has disavowed her support for the Browns for the remainder of the season, um, even though, ironically enough, Mason Rudolph got benched in today's game, which I found to be funny. Um, but they did win, unfortunately. So we're, uh, we're having uh, amicable differences when it comes to our Sundays. I must admit, I did watch quite a lot of the Steelers-Bengals game on my phone. And... You know, the Bengals could have won at some point. I mean, I, I know I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but the Browns next week have to be able to make a statement. That is a game you need to win. I'm not saying it's a must win, you know, which it kind of is. You have to go out there and beat that. That team is offensively inept. I mean, watch, they might get Juju back. They might get James Conner back. I don't think it matters. I mean, Hodges, Rudolph, they're not very good. So defensively, they are infinitely better um, than their offense. I mean, the Browns really just have to go out and take care of business and win the second game going to what, maybe 3-0 and with the division then. Yeah, 3-0. and um, They need to get the 3-0 and in division. They need to win that game. Continue this hot streak. I was up in the Cotswolds watching the game, and uh, it was just an awesome day. We uh, Kelly, the, the president of the British backers, drove me up, and then uh, – Cornhole in for two or three hours before. And uh, Howard, Howard, the uh, president, made us all uh, loads of nice food, like pulled pork and chili dogs. And yeah, just awesome. And then went to a pub. And it's really r- random. You've got a pub in the middle of the countryside, 20 mile, 20, sorry, two hours east. So I'm messing this up. Two hours west of London and just there dead town village and they got 30 r- crazy browns fans in it so it's absolutely amazing it was wild i saw you post the video on the internet and i'm like here's this little kind of just country cottage in the middle of you know 
Nowheresville, uh, England, and they're watching the Browns game. So pretty awesome when you think about the, the reach that the Browns have. And, you know, now that we're winning some games, you know, people are proud to show their colors again. Yeah, excellent. And uh, the biggest question I've got for you is, are you going to be allowed to come to the Steelers versus Browns game? <laughs> I'm still working on that. So we, are, we will be heading back to Pittsburgh for the Thanksgiving weekend. And I, when I say Pittsburgh, we're going to be in Johnstown. And um, it's about an hour and 25 minutes southeast of Pittsburgh. So we're going to see. You know, I am in sales, but we'll see. This might be the hardest sell I've ever had in my life. Could you go together? Well, I think we'd have to. The question we have is, what do we do with our dog? Um, you know, so we have some friends in Pittsburgh. I'm going to see if I can maybe butter them up to dog sit for a few hours while we go to that game. Because I, I hear uh, Mr. Paul Brown may be there. I will be there. Have you uh, ever been to a game together? Yes, yes. We've been to, actually, uh, we've been to a few. I mean, unfortunately, the Brown-Steelers game that um, – we've been to together did not end very well for me. And then ironically enough, we went to like a Steelers 49ers game a few years ago. Uh, actually Colin Kaepernick was the quarterback of the 49ers in that game. So we've been to a few games. Um, we try to act like, you know, normal civil human beings. Awesome. Well, look, Ian, where can people find your details? Uh, Ian 19 on Twitter. And real quick before we go, I want to, for all of the Browns fans out there listening, I just put a video up uh, this evening. I was watching the Dallas Cowboys New England Patriots game and the local Fox 32 broadcast breaks in. And it shows Browns fans with a Mason Rudolph pinata and people swinging a helmet at it and they're mocking us. Browns fans. Act like you've been there before. That's, that is not what we want to be shown at. I mean, yes, is it a situation that's unfortunate? I know we've talked this Miles Garrett thing to death. But at the end of the day, we have to be better. We're a better fan base than that. You know, I know that that's four or five people in the Muni lot that have been drinking. Um, but at the end of the day, you're representing Browns fans in Cotswold, England. You're representing Browns fans in Chicago, Illinois, in California, in Canada. Everywhere in the world, there are Browns fans. And, you know, people see that shit on TV and it just makes us all look bad. It's embarrassing. You know, we, we already are kind of getting over the black eye of the situation that happened on Thursday night. And to put that out there, and I've seen that sports centers retweeted it, Bleacher Report, all the, that's all these people want. You know, we, we talk about our beat writers, you know, asking questions. And I still have no idea why we're asking Baker Mayfield questions in the postgame about Mason Rudolph getting benched. I mean, I don't get it. Let's stop fishing for headlines. Not all publicity is good publicity. You know, we have a team on the field that's winning games, and yet we're asking questions about the Steelers, or we're asking questions about Browns fans acting like idiots. I mean, you know, let's put the attention and the focus on our team. We have great players. We're putting up 41 points in a game, and now everyone's going to talk about and mocking us nationally is about how some guys and, you know, and a lady with a helmet are hitting a pinata. Come on. Like, we got to be better than that. I thought it was quite creative, Ian, to be honest. It's very creative. Just don't film it and put it out there for the world to see. It's just one of those things where it just makes everybody look so bad. I mean, it's just, we, we just look like assholes. Like we've never won anything. If you think about it, this is the first time our team has even been in the hunt since 2014. I think we've ended the season 0 and 6. So can we actually like win something first before we go and like flock our chest out like a peacock? 
Like we gotta be better than that. All right, and it's uh, gone midnight here. I'm gonna get some sleep. All right, last question for you. Who are you Go giving ahead. the game? You got the game ball. Who are you giving it to? Schobert. Ooh, Schobert. I'm going to Kareem Hunt. Your first touchdown since you scored three on us in Cleveland last year with the Chiefs. So congratulations to Kareem Hunt getting his first touchdown in the orange and brown. Hopefully more to come. Uh, but Kareem Hunt gets my game ball. Good all-round performance today. The defense obviously stepped up, showed our depth. Players that weren't meant to be getting reps at the start of the season actually um, – turned up which is great and uh yeah over the moon really that we got another victory and 10 and 6 is on the cards do you yeah. think that um 9 and 7 is enough to get us to the playoffs you know with en- with enough things happening i think at this point we just kind of got to chalk up the bills as being the 5 seed which is fine they still do have to play baltimore and pittsburgh but right now we got the colts and the titans playing each other next week we play the steelers um and then you have the Raiders, I think, go play in the Chiefs. So I want to thank the New York Jets out there because, you know, as much as Browns fans want to downplay the win against the Dolphins, if you remember right, the New England Patriots destroyed the Jets, who then beat the Cowboys, but then got beat by the Dolphins, but then the Jets beat the Raiders. So every week you have an opponent to play. You win the game. Everybody going into the game thinking the Raiders are going to beat the Jets, and the Jets come out and just absolutely embarrass them. So now the Raiders fall back into the pack. So if the Raiders next week lose to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, the Browns, the Steelers, and the Raiders would all be 6-6. Six and six. So if you're able to handle your business on the way out, the Titans and the Colts obviously playing each other, they could have another team in the mix. But, yeah, we just got to win our games and not take for granted Ws because, you know, we do still have two games left against the uh, – the Bengals, while the Titans still have two games left up against the Texans. So, you know, the shoe fits on the other foot that way. Well, mate. That's that six playoff seed at nine and seven, I think, is is definitely a possibility. It all looks far too tight for me. And the maths, NFL changes every single week. And that's why we love it. That's why you got to win the games. If you step out on the field, beat the team. Don't blame the schedule. You know, when Baltimore beat Miami, everybody was talking about Lamar Jackson as an MVP candidate in week two. Da- uh, Dak Prescott beat the Dolphins, and everybody said, oh, my God, look at the game. We beat the Dolphins, and we're like, yeah, but it's just the Dolphins. So let's enjoy the victory. We won three games in 14 days. That's not a bad thing. You know, the season was able to be restarted. We went from 2-6 and six to 5-6 and six in 14 days. Got to say, Buffalo having a great season. But they're not beating anyone good. I mean, when they played the Browns, I was like, this team's terrible. I mean, I know they beat Denver, who beat us. But at the end of the day, Buffalo's not very good. I mean, they lost to us. They lost to the Patriots. I mean, they're grinding out results. That's the thing, though. Well, that's the thing. They're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And the Browns lost to the Titans in the Mariota days, not even in the Tannehill days. And we lost to the Brandon Allen-led Broncos. I mean, those are two games that we really kind of just – I mean, if, the, if this Browns team was seven and four as opposed to five and six, I mean, you're talking about two completely different things. But Baltimore's got to play Pittsburgh, which should be – I'm curious to see Josh Allen against that defense. And then they got to play the Ravens. So, um, and I think they have one more game against the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. But there's still a lot of football to be played. I think every week, uh, you know, a team we need to lose is going to lose. It's just natural based on who they're playing. Um, but, you know, we need to make sure we win our games in the AFC – Keep the tiebreakers up there and, you know, hopefully 
we handle our business. If we win out, we're 10 and six. If we you know, have one slip up, we're nine and seven, and we can still uh, throw our hat in the ring. Because for the first time in a long time, I think the Browns do at least have a little journey chance. Oh, I am. I'm gonna get some sleep. I'm in Germany this week. Go Browns.